Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Thank you, Scott. What's up, everybody? Hey, welcome aboard Must Read Alaska, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. We have a great show for you today. We are reader-driven, we're listener-driven, we're a conservative news project about Alaska for Alaskans, and we keep the mainstream media on their toes. I am Suzanne Downing, and I'm joined today by John Quick. We've got a lot going on in Alaska, and it's like one degrees in Fairbanks, 35 degrees in Ketchikan. I just checked on Fort Yukon, it's minus 19 and 22 degrees in Anchorage, which is absolutely typical weather for Alaska in January. And today we're going to talk about uh, a few things. We're gonna do just a quick update on our new newsletter, which is going out five, five days a week now. And if you haven't signed up for it, we're gonna make it easy for you. We're gonna talk a little bit about the early orders coming out of the new Biden administration. And we're gonna talk about some of the school situation in Anchorage. But first, John, what's going on on the Kenai Peninsula? Tell us about what's going on. Well, Suzanne, John Quick here, the lovely Kenai Peninsula where freedom is still free. We love it here. Uh, we don't have to wear a mask. We can show up to Subway and order something without having to feel like we have to get a pat down and uh, the police show up if we don't wear, wear a mask. So we really appreciate living in on the peninsula over here. What's happening on the peninsula is still, I would say, school drama. And uh, the uh, the topic of conversation right now is uh, kids, middle school, high school, uh, are being forced to still wear a mask while they play basketball or any other sport that they're going to play down the road in the springtime. And in general, I think parents are putting up with this just so their kids can be back in school and back in sports. Uh, but I would say the, the fair majority of folks on the peninsula, whether they're conservative or not, look at this and they just think, what's the science behind wearing a sweat soaked mask while playing basketball while, uh, you know, players are trying to wrestle the ball out of each other's arms. It literally makes no sense. So the good news is there is some good news on the horizon. The Kenai Peninsula School District is going to be getting a new superintendent uh, this summer. So they've narrowed it down to three prospects, one in-house, two out of the house. And uh, I would say a couple of those prospects look pretty great. I think they're going to come with some new ideas, some fresh ideas, and hopefully some ideas to actually listen to the community uh, would be probably the best idea that I would say that the new superintendent should take with him or her uh, to that, to that uh, new job. So it's not think, new, to that interview for sure. Yeah. So things on the pence are good. Last, the, uh, the last superintendent circumvented the public process because they, uh, the school district board interviewed three candidates, narrowed it down to one, offered the job to that one and that one pulled out. And so they, and instead of going back to the drawing board, and opening it back up to the public process, decided to hire somebody in-house and kind of circumvented the whole public process. So we're excited to have that process back into place and uh, have the public be able to lean in on that. 
Excellent. Excellent. Well, everybody, if you haven't signed up for the Must Read Alaska newsletter, I hope you do that. Um, if you sign up at mustreadalaska.com, right on the right-hand side, there's a sign-up button. You kind of have to look for it. There's a, it's sort of tucked between a couple of things there. And just put your email address in, and we will make sure that you get the Monday, Wednesday, Friday newsletter, and also the brand new Club MRAC newsletter, which is just for legislative news. So we're really narrowing it down because the, the Monday, Wednesday, Friday newsletter has news about it has news about Washington, D.C. It's got as it relates to Alaska. It's got news about Ketchikan. It's got news about Haynes. But um, but there is a, a role for just narrowing in on what's going on during this legislative season, which it, we're in the 90 day session right now. So we really want you to sign up and get into the Monday, Wednesday, Friday and the Club MRAC newsletters. We'll get that in your inbox most mornings between now and the end of the 120 day session. Or maybe look it out in 90 days. That would be great because then we can take a break too. Every edition of the Must Read Alaska newsletter and Club MRAC is archived at the website at www.mustreadalaska.com. So go there and check out the previous issues. Now, before we get started on some of our other issues, John, I just want to have a, a word about freedom of expression. We are under attack like nothing I have ever seen in my life. Uh, what, what is happening is that the left is coming at us so hard to squelch free speech. And listen, free speech is not only a critical right, it is a, a core value of American life. It's just, it's who we are in America. If we don't have that, let me tell you, none of our other rights matter. It was the First Amendment for a reason. And it's the core of Must Read Alaska as well. It's something that we defend. It doesn't mean that at, on, in our blog, in our comment section, that we're allowing every troll or every foul mouth commentator to, to have their say. No, I don't. I don't allow that. We want to have a reasoned, co coherent dialogue. In and you know, people are are calling each other names. We don't allow that. They can go do that somewhere else. But we are defending the freedom of others to voice their opinions in a rational way about the issues of the day. And yet I got to tell you, cancel culture is making so many people feel pressured to make public statements that, you know, violate their beliefs or they're just staying silent. Now I heard from somebody last week in South Central Alaska who I've got to keep, got to keep them private here. And they've been working at a company for 20 years. And this company has military contracts at the highest level. Well, the, this person happens to be on social media, Facebook to be exact. And they've been a big supporter in the past of um, Donald Trump, the president. And they were open about it, but they weren't vile about it in any way. They were just uh, uh, open supporters of the president. Well, after the election, something very unusual happened. The owners of the company, this company which has defense contracts, went through um, their employees' Facebook pages, and they discovered this woman was a supporter of the, pre of, of the free previous president. And so they've decided to fire her after 20 years, because they might lose their contract with the federal government. This is not the country we want. This is not where we, we want a country where people are being haunted and canceled for their opinions. We need a country back in where we can peacefully disagree with one another, despite our differences. Otherwise, you know, our freedom of expression will just continue to erode. So thankfully, you can do something about that. You can stand against the cancel culture culture, and you can help defend free speech, head over to Must Read Alaska, hit the donate button, 
and we will continue to fight against this really fascist blacklisting and cancel, cancel culture that is going on here in Alaska as well. And in fact, if you want to read my essay about the defense of the First Amendment on Must Read Alaska, it's up there right now and it's titled, What Voltaire Said, I Will Defend to the Death Your Right to Say It. In other words, I may not agree with what you say, but I will defend your right to say it. And that is something I feel very strongly about. And people ask me if it's a hill I'm willing to die on. And yes, folks, it is a hill that I'm willing to die on. So, John, um, in addition to the newsletter, you know, we've got other things going out on out there, such as the Senate organizing. Tell us what you're thinking about that. Yeah. So, you know, I would just chime in also and just and reiterate and applaud you for uh, keeping the First Amendment a thing that is important to Must Read Alaska. I think that that is so crucial in today's day and age. You have to be able to have open dialogue and open discussion with people. And if you can't do that, if that is lost in America, America will be lost, sadly. And you've seen you've seen them literally cancel our uh, now ex-president, President Donald Trump. If they can cancel Donald Trump, they can cancel little folks like you and I. So yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's important now more than ever that we keep our eye on the prize and we, uh, we agree to have open dialogue with folks. Um, it's, uh, I, I'm optimistic, so I hope for the best. But uh, what I'm seeing uh, is not great, and I'm hopeful for better days to come. Um, with our Senate, we saw uh, Senator Peter Machicki come in and was able to organize the Senate. And, and I would say this, I know that there's a lot of folks on Must Read Alaska that follow Must Read Alaska that um, were not excited about Senator Machicki becoming the Senate president. But I will tell you this, Senator Machicki's superpower is helping people come together, even if they have differences. And I think that that's what you need as a Senate president. Um, a Senate president that's going to be hardline and not listen to anybody. We've seen those, that Senate president in the past. And how good has that done the state of Alaska? It hasn't done the state of Alaska good at all. It doesn't mean that uh, Senator Machiki is going to roll over to the Democrats or roll over to the left. It simply means that he's going to be able to listen to all sides of the arguments. I think that that's something that he is very, very good at. And the simple fact that he was able to organize the Senate, all of the Republicans in the Senate, is a miracle within itself. If he's able to do that, I have some very optimistic confidence in his ability to do some great things for the state. Interesting. Well, you know, and Peter Machicki is, uh, he's been working at it since August to try to get these disparate views on the, uh, in the Republican Party to get everybody to kind of work together and it hasn't been that easy. Some of the people, some of the players were a little bit prickly for quite some time. They wanted some other things, but you know, this is, now's the time actually to pull together and try to work for the, for the good of the state because Quite honestly, we've got a lot of work to do to get a budget out the door and to um, make sure that this state is on strong footing. But I like what you said about Peter Machicki as Senate president. He certainly does listen. Uh, he he uh, I think you told me a story about tell me yeah. this story. Tell, so, uh, tell the story. This was a great story. So we were uh, we were in a parade. This was maybe three years ago. And uh, we were in uh, 
the, the mayor, Charlie Pierce, and I were, were in Peter Machicki's parade, and he was running against Ron Gillum at the time, or Ron Gillum was running against him at the time. And uh, we had stopped in the parade for a moment just to talk to folks. And somebody comes up to Senator Machicki and basically just starts yelling at him. And it, it was in his face and was, uh, was, was very confrontational. And, uh, and he just sat there and listened and answered her questions. And at the end of the, at the end of the one-way conversation, gave her her, his business card and said, listen, call me anytime, set up an appointment. We'd love to, you know, make some time for you. And at the end of the conversation, I was expecting Senator Machicki to turn to me and be like, that lady's crazy. You know, (laughs) like, like, what was she thinking? And he literally said, turns to me after she walked away and said, this is what I do for a living. This is, this is my job. I, you know, it's my job to listen to that person and to take them seriously and to weed out kind of the nonsense and to find a place where we could have a conversation uh, and, and a point to start from. And I think, again, this is part of Senator Machicki's sweet spot is that um, regardless of your beliefs, he will pick, he will pick up the phone when you call him yeah, and he, he will, will take you seriously even if what you're saying he disagrees with, he will still listen to you. Yeah, yeah. He's he's like you said, this is his superpowers. He 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 wants people to get along and to find a compromise and to, to find a way forward, a path forward. He's he's the guy. So uh, you know, over in the house, of course, they're not organized yet. And we're <laughs> taping this show on Monday, January 25th, and they haven't organized yet. Uh, they've been in ethics training all day, actually. Everybody who is a, uh, a returning legislator, at least, has to go to ethics training today. The the new, the rookies, they they went to ethics training earlier, and now it's the uh, the uh, re- the returning people who have to take this ethics training, three hour training. So we aren't seeing them caucusing today. We aren't seeing the Democrats caucusing today, pretty much for the same reason. But um, we do think that the House is actually going to come together pretty soon. Here, the Republicans are more united than they were last week. They really get that they have to stick together, that there's absolutely no winning if they if they cave to the Democrats and let the Democrats take over. So uh, that is a very interesting development. We'll see if they do, but there are only 20 of them because of course we know that Louise Stutes over in Kodiak, she's a, a Republican, but she caucuses with the Democrats. So we only have 20 uh, Republicans who are actually caucusing together. But what I like to see is that they are seeming to get along better and they're seeming to honor their differences and get over them. In other words, we, we get it. The people in the Valley have the differences than people maybe on the Kenai, but they're working together. So that really makes me happy. What else is in the news that caught your eye since our last show? Well, I think one of the things in the news that has caught a lot of folks' eyes is this story that you did and a picture that you put up of uh, kids classroom and you put up a couple different pictures of different kids kids' classrooms in Anchorage in the Anchorage public schools and you know various parents I'm sure send you these you know throughout the week and you did a story on it and the superintendent of the schools the, the and for those of you that haven't seen this picture it's a picture of little chairs set apart six feet with kneeling pads placed on the chair so that a kid, would kneel down in front of their chair and use their chair, <clears throat> use their chair as their desk. Now, I just did like a quick, you know, 10 minute search on uh, prisons in the state of Alaska. 
And the learning centers in these prisons in the state of Alaska look 20 times better than anything that these pictures resemble. And these pictures are pictures straight from a kid's classroom. They haven't been edited. They haven't been done up. They, there's no kind of like a behind the veil of them putting this together just for us. This is literally pictures of just kids' classrooms. And so the, the Anchorage uh, superintendent of the schools came out with a rebuttal with this. And I think she sent a thing out to all the parents saying, listen, 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 I need to clarify this story uh, because the, this blogger, you know, everybody loves to call you a blogger. This blogger didn't get the story straight. These kids don't have to kneel. They have the opportunity to also sit crisscross. And the rebuttal was just ridiculous because you would think like the rebuttal would have been like, these pictures were fake, you know, this was a picture from, you know, five years ago. This, these aren't, these weren't classrooms that kids were in. The rebuttal was literally, no, 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 no. These kids can also sit. And it was just kind of a joke to begin with. And now the rebuttal even makes it more of a joke, which is kind of a joke that's sad because these conditions that kids are, that kids are learning in, they don't look great. And, uh, and it just goes to show you that I think kids need to be back in their normal classrooms, just like they have been in uh, the Matsu, learning from their teachers, who the majority of these teachers would really like to get back in the classroom and get the union leadership and get the superintendents out of the way and just let them open their classrooms back. We're, we're sick and tired of this rules and regulations and masks and all these kinds of things just let the kids learn or like we've talked about before budgets will come around and in these conservative districts you will see a lot of lower budgets and defunding for schools that have refused to be open so on this particular school um this story that we did uh, that i did uh it was the picture came from the aurora elementary school and it and somehow it got picked up by a national blog that reported it as the Whaley School. And so um, Dina Bishop, the superintendent of school, she repeated that it, that you know the blog had made a mistake. It wasn't the Whaley School. I never said it was the Whaley School. Was, I never, in fact, I didn't identify the, the school at all, at all, because I don't, you know, I feel bad for the teacher whoever put this together and thinks that that's okay uh, for for our kids to just go to school and sit on the floor all day uh, on these tiny little gardening pads. Of course, they're tiny little kids, and it's you know it's also not the worst thing in the world. But I gotta say, it's it's a pretty grim environment. You've got to remember that these are kindergarten first graders who have never actually been to school before because last year school got canceled and there wasn't any school this year. So for some of them, this is their first idea of what a school looks like: is that you sit on the floor and you use your uh, your chair for a desk. And I just don't you know I just don't think that that's um, that's a, a good start for them. I, I feel like a lot of these kids are going to have a, a real bad attitude towards school if, if they feel like they're going into sort of a little bit of prison environment. But um, the, I, I want to point out that in that story that I did with Dina Bishop's response, I did get a picture from Kincaid's school and and I popped it in that that story so people could see, you know, that's actually a pretty decent setup. The pads are, are certainly bigger. They're big yoga pads and they're and the little tables that they're sitting at look like they could be easily wiped down. Normally you would have these kids at, at tables where they kind of share and they, they work together and they, they get some socialization. 
you're, you're having them pretty well isolated with six foot distances in these rooms. And I get that and that's fine. But uh, these, this particular setup in the Kid K elementary school does look quite a bit better. And um, so I, I, I guess what we're seeing is a, a real big difference in schools and how we are treating our, our kids. And, and some of them are just not that appealing. And I certainly wouldn't want to send my kids to some of these situations, that's for sure. Yeah. So, and I, you know, we've, we've been, this is somehow normal for folks that yeah. don't like, you know, the, the people that don't like to be confrontational and I get it. And the people that are just going to go along to get along, I get it. But two years ago, if we would have told you, your kids are going to be kneeling on a pad for five hours and their desk is going to be their chair and they have to sit six feet apart from their friends. Oh, and by the way, they have to wear a mask while okay. at school and there's not going to be any recesses. You would have sat and called us a bunch of crazy people. Well, this That's is right. the new normal. That's and right. this cannot be the new normal. You have Here's got, a question for you, John. as parents. Here's a question for you. Where's Great Alaska Schools and all this? Remember that Great Alaska Schools that uh, that Elise Galvin had and all her friends and they're out down there every year pounding for more, you know, better conditions for schools, more money and stuff. They have been dead silent on getting kids back in schools. They they have absolutely done a deep dive. You never hear from them again. Yeah, and you know they're scared of the union leadership. And yep. I, ton, I, have, I have friends that are teachers who have been told that if they go against these mask mandates or anything that has to do with COVID, it will be reflected in their performance review. Oh gosh. And so you have a lot of these teachers who are new teachers. They don't want to lose their jobs. I get it. That would be horrible to lose your teaching job because you went against the mask mandate or you decided to put desks in your room instead of chairs and kneeling pads. But I would just, my, my, my thing that I will keep preaching is this cannot be the new normal. We cannot allow this to be the new normal because if they want an inch, they will want to take a mile. And when they want to take a mile, they still will not be happy. Very true. Hey, listen, we're, we're going to run out of time here. I can't believe it, but we, you know, we, we haven't gotten the stuff with the Biden administration. I just want to raise a couple of things. One, as you know, one of the first things he, that um, Joe Biden did was sign an executive order that, that says that, you know, women's sports must allow men to compete if they are transgendered. And that includes intramural sports in high school and also for transgenders to use uh, the girls' bathrooms and locker rooms as well if they if they choose to, to do so. And um, I, you know, it's, it's very interesting that, that this is a reversal of something that the previous president, Donald Trump, he had signed an order saying, no, transgenders are not going to compete in girls' and women's sports. So we're, we're getting a reversal now. And uh, that has been probably one of our top stories all week. Parents are really not happy with this. Um, I think everybody realizes that this is the truly the beginning of the end of women's sports. Well, it got a little crazier than that. Of course, we also know that he has now signed an order today. This is Monday. Um, ordering that transgenders will be allowed to serve in the military. And that's a, that's an interesting call because it could be a little problematic. Being transgender means that you have to take certain medications. That means you've had some surgical, um, some changes to your body. Your your body doesn't function in the same way it did before. And you typically are, are somebody who needs to have constant medication uh, in terms of hormones. Normally, those people who are medically compromised, they're not, they're not, 
enlisting anyway. They're not allowed to enlist because what they're looking for are the most fit people, the people who are really ready to serve in harsh conditions in a foxhole somewhere and doesn't have to worry about, um, you know, taking some insulin or taking something else or taking a hormone. Um, they're really the, in the past, the military has, has emphasized readiness and fitness. And it really is all about your physical and mental state. But now what we're saying is it's all about if you are a man who has had a surgery and now you're, you're expressing yourself as a woman, but you're dependent on medication to do so you're going to be serving in the military if you want to. So that's very interesting. He also uh, suspended oil and gas uh, exploration drilling on federal lands. So this is something he promised to do. He did a 60-day uh, suspension of it. And just in now from the New York Times, he is now planning to actually ban new oil and gas drilling on federal lands. And that's going to come on Wednesday. So so he's he's put us he did a suspension and now he's going to put it in place no more oil and gas drilling on federal land this is part of his climate change agenda it's going to be very difficult for alaska in the future now a lot of the companies that are oil and gas uh, drilling companies they've already lined up all their permits they saw this coming they they went and they got all their permits for a few years so they're going to probably be okay in many places for a few years in the west but Alaska, not so much. Alaska is going to be in a in a bit of a pinch here. It looks like they're going to be shutting us down. So this uh, this new policy includes something where he is demanding that the agencies now consider what land they're going to preserve from mining and drilling and set aside and set that land aside for renewable energy, whatever that means. That means we're going to have a bunch of um, windmills, I guess. I, I've never thought they were very attractive, but maybe you do. And, um, and so this is all coming at us on Wednesday. In other words, the, uh, the, the kind of reign of terror on Alaska's economy continues from the Biden administration. And I don't know what you think about it, but I, I think uh, Alaskans ought to be pretty concerned. Yeah, I think it's very concerning that these, uh, the Biden administration basically wants Alaska to be a postcard to where they can have their nice expensive vacations and come up here on uh, Mark Zuckerberg's yacht and, you know, tootle around Homer and, you know, pick up some treats and then tootle around wherever else they want to go. They could care less about the fact that this is how Alaskans make their money. And, you know, some of the comments online have been, well, we need to move more towards tourism. We need to more move more towards, you know, other thing, other aspects and other avenue, avenues to make money. And literally oil accounts for, you know, 98% of every dollar that comes into Alaska. So there is really no other substitute outside of oil shutting down and half the population moving out of Alaska, because uh, this is our economy, whether we like it or not, this is how Alaskans make money. This is how the state of Alaska is funded. If you are an employee with the state of Alaska, you might want to take a look at this because if oil goes away, your job may go away as well when the state doesn't have any money to pay for anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I've noticed that there aren't any uh, Alaskans appointed in the Biden administration yet, and, and that would be, be a tricky place to serve right now if you were going to watch this happen into your state, because this is part of our statehood compact, is that we were allowed to develop our resources so that we could support ourselves. And we've, you know, we've done that. We did that in 1968 with the discovery of 
uh, Prudhoe Bay, and we've developed it and we've developed it responsibly. And we do a really good job up here, but this uh, does not bode well for us. So let's talk about the Wednesday podcast because I want to remind people that that's coming up and that Scott Levesque, he he has that show. And, and tell us about that, John. So tune in Wednesday. Scott Levesque is getting after it. So he got a little fiery on the last one. He's probably going to get a little fiery on this one. He's uh, talking about these uh, new ordinances that could potentially be jammed down everybody that lives in Anchorage's throat, which consists of you have to wear a mask everywhere except for your house. And if you're a business that has somebody come into your business and you don't throw them out, uh, the folks that aren't wearing a mask, you could have repercussions. And, you know, we've seen these uh, code enforcers go after uh, certain candidates that are running for mayor and not go after other candidates that are running for mayor. And I think that this is going to, if you live in Anchorage, things are going to get worse before they get better until you elect a new official. And so tune in to hear all about that on the uh, Wednesday edition of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, they're going from uh, just emergency orders. They're now going to put it into law as an ordinance. That it, that uh, I want to hear more about that from you, Scott, on Wednesday. So now, if you're a supporter of Must Read Alaska, I want to thank you so much. It really makes it possible for us to stand up for what's right here in Alaska. And if you'd like to support the conservative side of the news, be sure to head over to MustReadAlaska.com, and there's a little button there that says donate, and it helps us stay strong, independent, thoughtful against the big blue wave of activist liberal media, which we all know what that is. And we know that they are going to you know, do victory laps around what just happened in November. So we need to stand strong and we intend to stand strong. So until then, we're signing off from somewhere in Alaska.